club six feet no hug still beat these mugs sick beat cut a rug joe exotic is a bug kitty cat cat tell me carol baskin where is the husband everyone's asking stimulus check everybody better cash in masking gloves yeah that's a new fashion girl what did that girl just say girl oh my gosh Welcome to episode five of the Tall, Dark and Ratchet podcast. I am Marcel Williams, and that was a cover from Charlemagne the God uh, debating whether or not he should start a TikTok. These deep fake things where you can put your face onto uh, a different person's face in a video form is wild and wacky. Um, but with that being said, we got a whole lot of stuff to talk about today. Um, I'm hoping... I'm going to be able to post this video onto YouTube just because of the amount of random stuff I'm going to be playing. I don't know if it is or not, but the audio will, in fact, not be tampered with. So um, feel free if you are checking this out on YouTube and there's a lot of splices where there's no audio. Go on to uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right. Uh, So the first thing we're going to talk about here is the verses that happened Saturday evening. It was Ludacris versus Nelly. Now, if you are a product of the early 2000s, then this was right up your alley. Please believe I was tuned in. No, I didn't have, you know, a big baggy jersey or, you know, a backwards fitted on or nothing like that during the battle. But I was definitely highly entertained throughout the entire thing. And I was actually going to start off by playing a ludicrous song because I wanted to uh, set things off because he was the clear winner. Now, I know a lot of people are saying like, nah, bro, it's for the culture. Everybody wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool story. But Ludacris by far, I think, had the uh, the bigger records. And to be fair, they played more than 20 songs each. I, I mean, they, they stuck within the confines of what the versus format is, where they each play 20 songs. But then afterwards, they ended up playing, you know, for a little after party mood, they had more records that they wanted to, to showcase. So Nelly should have played some of those within the actual battle because he ended up playing records that some people were like, what the hell is this? Like, nobody's ever heard of this. Like, just because Pharrell produced it doesn't mean that you got to play it in this battle. And Ludacris was just there, you know, very calm face with his Afro and his Afro pick and, uh, you know, smacked them around a little bit. But um, I, in my search for you know, some, some instrumentals and things like that. I stumbled across, which I think I'm going to turn into a new segment, a terrible version of, um, a karaoke song. And what I mean by that is that if you are to go and perform karaoke, sometimes they'll have instrumentals and they'll be like, you know, all these karaoke versions for, for copyright reasons or whatever. Somebody will recreate these beats. Um, but in hip hop, they'll add the ad libs and um, sometimes the chorus um, for these karaoke songs. And one of these songs, I, I was like, yo, who recorded this? And I don't know if it's the guy in the picture. I'll throw it up there. But um, it says karaoke in the style of Ludacris. Now, I don't know who thought this was in the style of Ludacris, but... Oh. 
Feel my cup. Like, first of all, the Saturday, Saturday, like whoever did the Saturdays on that needs to be fired. But this guy who's who's jumping in here with the lyrics uh, at the end, just kind of, you know, doing the, the doubles at the end there. Bruh, like. Truck. Truck. The fuck. The fuck. Who the fuck is this? Blame. Okay, let's try to, you know. Shame. Stop. Hold on. Go. In a Cadillac, brown Cadillac, brown now sound absurd. Claim collar park when they flip them birds. Trick car alarms and bend them curves. Chop, chop, chunk it up, fat man herb. I got a big weed stash, pocket full of cash. Just seen a big old. No, you can't. I I would like to uh, pull out that record during karaoke, but I feel like um, they did not time that properly. Who's making this? Is it like a karaoke farm of people who are just like, all right, we got to whip up the new batch. Let's go through, um, you know, all ludicrous catalog and just record these all at once. I hope they're making good money because that's a finesse. But in this wormhole of karaoke songs that I was looking for, which I'm not done with, by the way, I am going to try to do some uh, some more karaoke throughout this uh, this whole thing here. But I found this video, which kind of made me think of um how there's you know there there may be a language barrier between certain uh countries when it comes to you know trying to communicate in any capacity but when it comes to music no that's not it when it comes to music it seems as though um that's one universal trait that if you can just learn a song, even if, if you don't speak the language, if you can just learn that song, we can determine whether or not you are a good singer. And what I mean by that is um, if we use, let's say, Whitney Houston as the standard, like if you can sing like Whitney Houston, it is clear that you have a certain degree of talent. All you have to do, regardless of where you are, if you live in Russia, if you live in um, you know, Dubai, if you live in Japan, doesn't matter. If you can memorize that Whitney Houston song, sing that Whitney Houston song, um, it is clear that you have a great voice. I should have had this up earlier, but now I'm just kind of struggling to find uh, this video because I went on some deep dive for some other nonsense. But um, yeah, so anyway, so in my search, I find this girl who pulls up here. It is find this girl who pulls up in this, uh, random ass mall or wherever this location is. And I guess they had a karaoke machine set up. So she pulls up and this video was posted on August 12th, 2012 by some other random dude, but it has close to 13 million views. And for good reason. Now, this is what I mean by the example of, I might not speak your language, but if I can sing a song in your language, you can determine whether or not my voice is good enough, which kind of makes me think like how many people are around the world right now that aren't getting the recognition that they deserve because they're in a small market. Like if you're in some, you know, small spot in Kazakhstan and you have a phenomenal voice, but nobody speaks that language, are we ever going to know that you were a great singer? Um, 
because I, I see a lot of these, um, I have a lot of Filipino friends and their parents will watch these stations that have all of these kind of like American Idol format shows. And there's some phenomenal singers and they'll sing these songs in English. But then you try to have a conversation with them after the fact and they don't speak a single word of English. And it's a disservice to their singing abilities because it'll be very difficult for them to ever try to cross over. But anyways, so I saw this. I'm just going to play. I don't know what it is about these videos. If it's just the fact that, you know, they they show up as just like so regular degular. She's got this knockoff Superman t-shirt and a backpack and just grabs this microphone and just, you know, belts her heart out and just hits every note so so perfectly, but I always end up tearing up to these videos. And uh, I don't think there's any shame in that or even if there is any shame in it, we'll just forget you. But anyways, so I'm going through this deep dive of all these singers. Now, this girl actually ended up getting onto Ellen in 2015 or something like that. And I guess, you know, has a residency somewhere. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, yo, that's cool that, you know, for, and I've seen that we've seen this a million times where somebody just ends up on Ellen because they sang somewhere. I feel like that doesn't really translate for all forms of entertainment. Like, I feel if you are a magician and you did some real cool trick, you might get scooped up by an agency or something. But like a comedian can't necessarily just, you know, pop up downtown somewhere because. Or maybe they can. If you're Dave Chappelle, I mean, he's definitely done that before where he's had a megaphone and just kind of pulled up and just, you know, started doing some jokes. But I feel like you have to have a certain amount of recognition already for people to want to stop. But there's something about singing where you the average person can just determine whether or not this is good or not. So people will start to just migrate when they hear certain notes being hit. But either way, I find it fascinating. I cry. If you don't go down these deep dives where you end up watching like, oh, the most sad moments in American Idol history or um, the X Factor or whatever those shows are called, um, I cry. Um, There's this one of this little girl and uh, she plays the ukulele gets me every time. I'm not going to pull it up right now because I don't feel like crying right now. I did earlier. But anyways, just to finish up this whole Ludacris and Nelly thing. So one, Nelly, um, I think had a, a very Teddy Riley moment initially where he uh, his his Wi-Fi kept chopping up and the comments were roasting him. It was hilarious just to see the comments. People were like, uh, I think the Ludacris even mentioned, he's like, yo, somebody says your, your Wi-Fi needs milk. 
Um, I was in there chiming into, I'm like, I guess he never got a stimulus check for the Wi-Fi or whatever the case was. But yeah, it, so that was a, a very rocky start. But once they kind of got going, um, it brings you back to that era. So I can understand how if you were from the Jill Scott and Eric Abadu era, I feel like that came just before I really was, you know, digesting music the way I was. But um, as I said in the last episode, when word of mouth came out, that CD, this is around the time where your parents would order these Columbia House records. Um, so they would order CDs to their home instead of going to the store like uh, HMV or whatever was popping at the time, Best Buy. And we would check off the CDs that we wanted. And if ever we could sneak in some explicit ones, that was always the greatest. So getting the word of mouth CD was something that, you know, was a, a huge deal for me. And I remember going through that album front to back a million and one times. So hearing those records again gives you a certain nostalgia. And even with Nelly, the country grammar record, I remember going to house parties all the way out in the boonies. I remember, um, you know, uh, I, I shared a story about being in uh, this this basketball team when I was like 14, 15 and, and that song coming coming on and uh, the Andale, Andale Mama, yeah, yeah. And everybody's wilding out. It just brings you back to that that nice moment you can remember and have those feelings again of of when you were in that time. Um, but one thing that came out of that um, verses was Ludacris had a moment where I guess Nelly's Wi-Fi was struggling and needed some milk, and he um, he decided to play some unreleased music and he played a record that hasn't come out yet featuring um, Lil Wayne or, you know, maybe Lil Wayne featuring Ludacris or whatever the case is. But he has a line on there where he's like, I love R. Kelly, but around my daughters, I'm not comfortable. And a lot of people gave him flack for that. They're like, yo, you got to change that lyric. You got to switch that up. I don't think so. I like the bar because you love R. Kelly, but around your daughters, you're not comfortable. I don't care if I get flack for this. I stand by ludicrous when it comes to this bar because I personally love R. Kelly's music. But if I had a daughter, I would sure as hell not be comfortable with that motherfucker being around. Now he's in prison for, you know, the same reason that we're talking about is that, you know, he had himself a little uh, sex cult or some, some creepy shit anyways. And I don't remember where I saw it or even the full extent of what it was that I was watching, but they brought up the point of not being able to sell, separate the talent from the person. And when you listen to R. Kelly's music, it's undeniable that he's talented. And especially now when you go back in similar to how we're reliving certain catalogs of music with this versus thing, you get a certain amount of nostalgia from hearing things like I believe I can fly or, um, you know, even, even certain songs from the cruel summer album. I remember he had that to the world record. Um, I, I don't know if that was the intro or not, but regardless, he has these moments, these big moments, the step in the name of love and, and whatever, where it, you know, you remember where you were at that time. Is he a monster? Absolutely. But to deny the fact that you had a moment that was curated with R. Kelly music, you'd be lying to yourself. So to have to say the same thing with, you know, the Michael Jackson's and um, whatever, the Kevin Spacey's, if you have a certain attachment to an artistic 
time capsule, it's very hard for you to separate the two and be like, oh, no, you know, all those feelings that I had before, they're all eradicated because this person's a monster. I mean, it's the good, the right thing to do is to maybe not play their music now to not support and to continue to curate that revenue for them or whatever. But to deny yourself of saying that you were ever a fan of that, you're just, yeah, that's crazy talk. I don't know why we're so sensitive and everyone's trying to be so PC and so correct at, you know, the way that they articulate themselves and whatever else. Listen, motherfucker, I enjoyed R. Kelly's music. I bumped that shit all the fucking time. I may have made love to that shit. I was cruising around to that shit. Do I think he's fucked up now? Yes. Now that we have these documentaries surviving R. Kelly, which I haven't watched it, by the way, for that specific reason, is that I'm not trying to um, jump on the bag when of like, yeah, let's crucify this guy because we found out that he's a creep and he's a perv. Like, okay, it, whatever he he has done in his personal life, if it's something illegal, let that be taken up with the judicial system. And that's where I'm going to leave it. What he's contributed to music prior. Listen, I enjoyed it at that time. Do I listen to it now? No. So when Ludacris says something like, I love R. Kelly, but around my daughters, I'm not comfortable. Listen, let it go, people. Why we got to pick every fucking thing apart? Let the man live. It's a good bar. It's a good song. Um, Ludacris won that versus. I'm going to leave it at that before I get real heated. Um, a lot of like gossipy shit has come out. So this is, uh, if you're not a fan of that, then pfft, <laughs> you might as well tune out right now. But um, I'm going to kick off the uh, the ratchet of the week right now because this is another uh, controversial topic. So we'll get this one out the way also. But let's get ratchet, let's get ratchet, let's get ratchet. Let's get ratchet, let's get ratchet. Let's get ratchet, let's get ratchet, let's get ratchet. 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 Hey, let's get ratchet. So the ratchet of the week, uh, no surprise. I mean, this guy is might as well have ratchet as his middle name, but this is a little bit more of a disturbing situation. So rapper Little Boosie, who, uh, you know, everyone knows that I love his online persona for such moments as put your pussy lips on live. I give you a thousand dollars. However, this situation that he's gotten himself into is a little bit more on the situation because of the gray area that is. Um, He was on live or maybe it was an interview. I don't know. I'm going to play the clip right now just so you can kind of see what I'm talking about here. But he was talking about how he was the man responsible for his sons, his young sons, and his nephew's first encounter with fellatio. Train. I'm training them boys right. I'm training them boys right. Ask any of my, 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 my nephew. Ask any of them. Ask my son. Yeah. They were 12, 13. They got hit. Yeah. That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, hell yeah, I got my fucking son dick shook. He's fucking right. <coughs> yes, a grown woman. Grown, super grown. Super grown. Checked his ass out. Checked all my nephews out. Super grown. Is she grown? She checked me out. I know what the fuck she did to them. She checked me out, that bitch. I'm getting them prepared, man. 
I'm All right. So um, you heard it there. I'm not going to replay it. It was a one minute clip just to say that he got his 12 and 13 year old sons and uh, nephews BJ's from a grown woman now i can only imagine that this was probably an escort come on man but the crazy thing about this is that um now there's people saying that legal action needs to be taken which i'm not in disagreement with because i think it's kind of fucked up to have a grown woman you know doing god knows what to a 12 and 13 year old i think this is uh, a, a prime example of um not only just toxic masculinity we won't crack that whole thing open but just culturally this stigma of if you don't ensure that your child is straight then you've failed as a parent so him going above and beyond to ensure that they're prepared for the world at 12 and 13 years old by getting them fellatio from a grown woman is wrong on so many levels one that's child molestation any way you want to package that up that is child molestation these kids are super under the age not at the right age of consent almost a handful of years away from that and i mean who are these chicks who are like yeah cool you know 12 13 year old boys sure give me the check like that's fucked up i i i'll do anything for money but if somebody told me, yeah, you got to hook up with this young underage child for money, like that's just crazy. Morally, that's just messed up on that person's behalf. But for Lil Boosie, not only do you get rash of the week, you might end up being the incarcerated person of the month. Um, so for somebody who's, you know, been inside of prison, why would you, this is snitching on yourself because you're telling people the world. And I know in his brain, he thinks that there's nothing wrong with that. But on so many levels, there are some, uh, some things that need to be, uh, you know, fixed in his mental for all that. But either way, congratulations. You got Ratchet of the Week. You're also Creep of the Week, my friend. And just to kind of transition that into um, speaking of minors, I've been watching all these shows, you know, and um, I, I finished too many shows. I, I got to figure out a new hobby or, or maybe start reading books again because this is getting out of hand. I know because I got finessed with Crave into getting the last two seasons of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I was like, you know what? Well, I have Crave. I might as well see what else is popping on there. And years ago, I had a, a coworker who would always tell me about Ballers. You know, it's a show featuring um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And it surrounds football, which is I, I feel the reason why I never really got into it initially because I'm not a huge football fan. Actually, I'm not a fan at all. Um, if I'll be completely honest, um, sports in general is, you know, basketball is really the, the most I ever got into any type of sporting viewing because I played it. But with Ballers, this show, what's cool is that it's it's very similar to Entourage, which is a show I was a huge fan of where it surrounds the people around that industry. So um, Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock, plays a financial advisor for these players and he was an ex NFL player, so on and so forth. But it's cool because they, they deep dive into a lot of the, uh, you know, his personal issues. He had some PTSD from the league. He had some PTSD from, um, he had a brother who took his own life. 
Uh, he was, you know, hopped up on drugs, painkillers and stuff like that. So it was an, a, a good way to show you some of the inner politics of what happens behind the scenes um, of these big sporting leagues. So I finished that. There's five seasons. And um, after that, I went to a different show. And this is where now we get back to, you know, some cringy kind of content. There's a show called Californication. Now, I've been referred to this show a few times. And then when I saw it on Crave, I'm like, all right, let me let me give it a whirl now and see what's good. Because this show came out in 2007, if I'm not mistaken. So I graduated high school in 2005. So in 2007, I was 20. It's crazy to think that in a decade, how much we've changed in terms of what we find and deem to be acceptable content. Because I referred this show to somebody else um, last night because they were looking for something to watch. And I was like, oh, well, I'm watching this Californication right now. And immediately they're like, well, I'm 15 minutes into the first episode and it is super misogynistic and it's, uh, you know, toxic in, in all these different ways. And I'm like, oh, wait until you get into the second episode. And they, you know, they were wilding when it came to this shit. So essentially just to give you a quick rundown of what Californication is all about. So David Duchovny plays this writer. Now, if you don't know who David Duchovny is, X-Files, or, you know, if you're one of the real ones, Showcase back in the day used to have this show called Red Shoot Diaries, where he would read these sexy stories. And then if you were lucky, you might see some tatas. And as a child, I used to run to Channel 49 to see what Showcase was saying. And I would record these shows, hide those VHSs until I was all alone. And I would, you know, create a little Red Shoot Diary for myself, if you know what I'm talking about. But, anyways, so Californication. Stars David Duchovny is this ex-writer who had like a, a sensational book that got flipped into a movie. And then the movie he thinks is crap, but it was a big hit and so on and so forth. Um, but now because he's no longer with his baby moms, who he was never married to, which is another plot and whatever, whatever, um, he's filling his void by just having pointless sex is how he refers to it as. Now, the thing that I took offense to is that people kept being like, oh, you'll love this show. It's, you know, it's just about you. And I'm like, wow. So I'm a degenerate who's a failed writer and um, just has a lot of meaningless sex. Are they wrong? Mm, maybe not to this guy's extent. And he smokes a lot of cigarettes. I only vape. So anyways, so there's a scene where this guy, and by the way, they make it seem real easy to pick up chicks in, uh, in 2007. He would literally just look at somebody and they'd be like, sure. Which I mean, David Duchovny, decent looking dude, but you know, you strip away his entire body of work and you just see him at a, at a grocery store. I don't know if you're going to be tossing him the, the punani or maybe I'm mistaken. Who knows? So there's a scene where he's in this, uh, library or bookstore or whatever, and there's a, an entire kiosk for on display of his book. So, you know, being the narcissist that he is, he's there reading his own book. And this other girl is sitting by herself and she's laughing while reading his book. So he takes it upon himself to go sit next to her, you know, spits a little game. He's like, ah, oh, see, you like that book. And then she, you know, flips to the back. She notices that he's on the back of the book and she calls him out. She's like, oh, well, you know, got to be pretty full of yourself to be in a bookstore reading your own book 
And he's like, uh, okay, well, should I sit here? And he's like, nah, she's like, nah, get out of here. And then of course she was joking. She goes back to him. They have this cute conversation. They end up back at his place and she's, you know, riding him and her breasts are swinging everywhere. And then she punches him twice out of nowhere. Um, which by the way, I've, I've fornicated, you know, an ample amount of times and never once has just out of nowhere, some chick just punched me, let alone some girl I just met at a bookstore punched me as hard as she can in the face. So, you know, they hook up, they do their thing, they go their separate ways. Now, fast forward and spoiler alert, if you've never watched this show, I mean, it's, it came out, this season came out 13 years ago. So get with the times. I'm just getting with the times right now. So he goes to his baby mama's, you know, new home with her new dude to visit his daughter. Now his daughter is 12 years old and his baby mama's like, yo, um, yeah, you know, oh, uh, his, uh, Bill's daughter just came home. The daughter comes home. Guess who it is? It's the girl he just fucked from the bookstore. She's 16 years old. David Duchovny's character, Hank, in Californication, casually had sex with a 16-year-old. I went on Wikipedia to see how old he was at this time, and he would have been 46, making him 30 years older than a 16-year-old at this time. Now, that's fucked. And I'm, I'm curious at this point, I'm like, how are they going to try to spin this, that he just casually had sex with a 16 year old. So they have this awkward exchange in this living room where she's like, oh yeah, you look familiar. And he's like, no, you don't. He's got a black eye from the fact that she's punched him. Actually, let me pull up a clip real quick here. Let me see if we get to the bottom of this radio. Cause this is, this shit was messed up. Um, I thought I had a clip queued up here. Apparently I don't. Well, let me just type it in here. So anyways, they try to pass it off um, as if shit was all hunky-dory. And I'm like, okay, here it is right here. H. Christ. No, just little old me. Are you okay? You look a little pale. Not gonna have a heart attack, are you? We're getting on in years. Just because I'm older than you doesn't necessarily make me old. Well, I'm 16, you know. So I've been told. What's the word for that again? Oh, yes. Statutory rape. <laughs> That's two words. Hi, Daddy. Huh? Honey, you can put some clothes on. Okay, we have company. Well, I'm sure it's nothing he hasn't seen before. Hank. Tim. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Okay, I, I'm sorry I'm laughing, but I just thought to myself, if that girl said that shit, now granted, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I fuck a 16-year-old. Let me just put that out there right now. If uh, it's already out in the universe that he's aware that she's 16, she's now like, oh, you know, trying to pull the, what did she say right here? She's like, well, I'm sure it's nothing he hasn't seen. Yeah, I'm sure it's nothing he hasn't seen before. I would have no choice but to murder this little girl. And I'm sorry, I know that sounds fucked up. But if you 
are aware. We've just stated that this is statutory rape and that I can face jail time for this. And if you're going to just dangle this shit around and try to, you know, use some little witty quips here and there in front of your father, I'm sorry, you got to go. Cause I would much rather risk getting caught for murdering you than for statutory rape. But again, I'm not going to defend him in this situation because he put himself in that scenario where he ended up fucking the 16 year old. How is it that you smash someone and they are 16? Like, granted, she doesn't look 16. And I did my research, obviously, to see exactly how old she is. She's actually a couple of years older than I am. So at this time, she would have probably been 22. So um, she's clearly at in the what they're trying to depict here, a 16-year-old high school girl. How do you not at least ask the question because it's not like you met her at a bar. It isn't like you met her in an adult setting. Granted, she's, you know, out and about reading a book, but guess what? Maybe it was a homework assignment. How does the conversation not come up? Like, what do you do? Oh, you know, well, between math and algebra and like history class, like how do you not do some sort of vetting? You don't necessarily need to ask for ID, but you would have probably got some sort of a feel. And she seems really proud of the fact that she's 16. So she probably would have just told you. And then at that point, if you make the conscious decision to you know, hook up with her or not, then we get into the whole R. Kelly conversation. But you can't really, I can't feel bad for a guy who feels like he got hoodwinked into hooking up with this chick when his screening process is lacking. It's a 16 year old. I get if you, um, meet a chick in a bar. She got in with a fake ID. Um, you guys were intoxicated and you end up going back to one of each other's places or whatever. It's messed up, but at least I'll give you, you know, a, a little bit of a, you know, olive branch or whatever the expression is, a little grain of salt or whatever the fuck it is for the fact that, you know, the situation was kind of working against you. But to meet a chick at a bookstore or a library who's 16 years old, bring her back to your crib. She's punching you in the face. And later on, you find out through a crazy twist of events that your current baby mama's now fiance, that's his daughter. You know, that shit is crazy. And obviously it's a TV show and you're like, Marcel, you're reading into too much. But the fact that they just casually just, you know, make these little jokes about oh, it's statutory rape, hmm, right? Am I right? And meanwhile, R. Kelly's behind bars for the same fucking nonsense. But the girl's name, obviously I did my research, Madeline Zima, uh, you know, and okay. So hold on. Here's the thing. Every single recap for this show, they featured her breasts flailing around and her punching him like every single episode. I'm probably episode seven. So if this happened, see uh, episode two, we're looking at episode three, four, five, six, and seven. All of them, the recap featured these allegedly 16 year old breasts. Now that shit's crazy to me. We know that her breasts were 22 years old or whatever at the time. But the fact that it's, you know, you're trying to sell the idea that she's 16, stop showing her breasts. They're nice breasts, but stop showing the breasts because it's giving me these conflicting feelings where I'm like, those are nice breasts. I know they're of age, but for the sake of the show and the entertainment, they are not of age. So, you know, my my penis is like doing the worm right now, just trying to figure out whether or not shit's appropriate or not. So every single, yeah, previously on Californication, 
she's there punching this dude and her tits are swinging around and shit. It's like, bro, this is not appropriate. Which, by the way, recaps for shows, some of them aren't as bad. Like when I was watching Power most recently until it just ended and now there's like 56 spinoff shows that are, are being made for Power. I didn't mind the recaps because it kind of gave you a little bit of foreshadowing as to what they're going to dive into, which is the whole point of a recap, but they weren't obnoxious. The show is just, you know, the writing was already terrible as it is. So you kind of needed that to move it forward, but recaps are starting to ruin shows that I'm trying to get into. And you can tell maybe it was the era or whatever, but um, I stopped watching. I tried to binge the same way I binged Kirby enthusiasm. I tried to, to binge through arrested development but the recaps are just too much because you start off with a, re- a recap. Then you've got this guy who's narrating the entire show it just becomes too much, man. So it's just like previously on this. And then it's just like, okay, well, if you're just going to like read out the whole plot to me, I might as well just grab the, the, the transcript and just read through that. Cause I'm hardly seeing any advancement in all of these episodes. You do one thing and then you spent, spend the next show recapping that in the other 12 episodes. It's just too much. So anyways, Californication, they recap, they got to cut out those 16 year old brass. It's a little bit too alarming for me. Um, but yeah, that whole show so far, there's a lot of things that are a little bit sus and, and taboo in there. This guy's trying to have a, you know, an affair with his, um, his assistant, fires her finds out that she's some like suicide porn star suicide girl porn star online you know rubs one out in his office and then of course through some crazy twists can no longer sexually perform with his wife so she says as a suggestion why don't we have a threesome and why don't we invite your assistant because that'll be you know just that's just the way the world works you know you want to hook up with her i need some new spice let's get a threesome going unrealistic kind of crazy but i'm still tuned in so they did something right. Um, all right. So, you know, as much as we we try to avoid speaking about this guy right here, Mr. Takashi's back in the headlines, of course. I mean, he's going to be there for a while. He uh, first thing this week we're, we're talking about when it comes to this guy is that he's outraged that, you know, Billboard is cheating him of getting a, a number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Meanwhile, he has zero radio play. So statistically speaking, it's impossible. Well, I don't want to say impossible because everything is possible. But regardless of how many YouTube streams you have and how many Instagram views you have, it's not going to generate the same amount at the end result because radio still plays a major factor in how these songs chart. Now you might be thinking to yourself, well, who actually listens to the radio, you know, but there's a reason why people still have radio budgets and, um, a lot of these radio releases count for these charts at the end of the the week or whatever. So he's putting out these videos where he's damn near in tears, but you know, a little bit of satisfaction comes my way because of, um, as much as I, I don't want him dead. I also don't really want him to succeed because I don't feel like he's a great role model. You can't promote drugs and and gang violence and all this kind of crazy stuff. And, you know, calling hits on people, trying to have people murdered, then come out and snitch and, and try to come back with that same energy and, and, you know, try to have some successful career. I'm sorry. I'm not here for that. So I'm not really trying to see, 
uh, Takashi win in the music industry. Do I wish him any harm? No. Is it probably going to happen if he keeps it up? So that was the one thing. Now he's also starting this snitch campaign where he's um, threatening to out other rappers who've snitched. He's going at Snoop Dogg right now, which I'm not very fond of that decision because I, of course, like I think a lot of other people can say, we're huge fans of Snoop Dogg. Now he's putting out these this paperwork showing that um, Snoop Dogg was an informant. He was doing some Friday night movie watching where he's watching uh, Suge Knight talk about how Snoop was an informant, him and Daz Dillinger or whatever. Listen, do I think um, Snoop Dogg would lose his reputation if people knew that he was a snitcher and informant? Yeah, I feel like to a certain degree, some people might feel a certain way, but anything that is out there is out there. Now, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite saying, well, it's okay for Snoop, but it's not okay for Takashi, so on and so forth. But it is. I'm sorry. I don't know what you want me to tell you. If Snoop is, in fact, an informant, he gets a pass because he's fucking Snoop Dogg. Some guy who's, are you stupid, dumb, or stupid? Like, no, you don't get ratings. Like, maybe that's a personal opinion. Maybe I'm biased. Maybe it's a hypocritical thing, but I don't give a fuck. Snoop Dogg, you get all the passes in the world. And then he goes even further and he's posting videos of Snoop Dogg allegedly cheating on his wife. That ain't no news to anybody. He's Snoop Dogg. We've seen this a million times where these little clout chasing chicks will post these videos of being, of Snoop Dogg. He just needs to be a little bit more efficient with his social media. He's over here FaceTiming with these chicks left, right, and center, sending them pictures on FaceTime and stuff like that. Like, you know, dog father, you got to move a little bit more finessing. And I'm not trying to condone, you know, adultery and things of that nature. But I'm just saying, if you're going to do it, do it a little bit wiser. Now, he was supposed to, Takashi was supposed to go on live today with Akon for a beat battle. Uh, listen, I'm I'm just going to leave that shit right there because I feel like the shit just gets crazier and crazier. I'm tuned in at this point just to see how long it takes before he fizzles out or before somebody puts him into harm. Because um, they say, you know, doing the shit that he's doing is going to lead you in two different things, either dead or in jail. We've already checked off one of those boxes. So if he's not going back to jail, like I said, I'm not wishing any harm on him. But it's looking like he might be putting himself into a casket with all of his antics because um, Charlemagne on the Brilliant Idiots podcast brought up a great point saying that if he took a different approach when he came out, like he was given a second chance and he decided to reroute and change his, his perspective. Yeah, he might have lost some of his initial fan base, but he would have gained the respect of a lot of other people. If he was like, listen, what I did was wrong. You know, um, I take full responsibility for my actions and, you know, I want to use my platform to better X, Y, and Z or whatever. If he just tried to just flip his thing instead of doubling down and being like, you know, letting off a hundred shots at the chicken spot and whatever. It's like, bruh, I'm not here for this. Maybe I'm just getting old and I'm just, you know, his antics are just too much for me. But regardless, in other pointless gossipy news. Uh, so here's the thing. This is going to sound really pointless to even talk about. And it is. 
But the reason I want to bring it up is uh, because it leads to a different conversation. So rapper Kevin Gates had a sex tape that was released on Twitter. And, you know, of course, people were in a frenzy. Now, one thing that came out of this is that some people were like, um, yo, you were talking all this shit in your songs and this is what you give us in the sex tape. Now, I don't know to what degree, cause I haven't seen the sex tape. I don't know to what degree his performance level was at or whatever, but I just think that, um, if you're going to say certain things in songs, you have to either in some sort of uh, media platform say that, oh, this is for entertainment. Um, this is just for, you know, of course, I I embellished because of whatever, because some of these guys are out here talking about, yo, I got that that anaconda and I'm out here breaking backs and so on and so forth. That's why I feel like I could never be a rapper because I am very honest in the things I try to put out there. I would like, what would I rap about? Yo, I premature ejaculate, bust a nut quick, like, you know, got a big old wood, but I don't know how to use it. Like, this shit wouldn't sell. Or maybe it would, but I'm not a rapper and I'm not going to try right now. But either way, rappers, you got to live your lyrics. You got to, you got to be truthful and, um, you know, stop lying on your, on your wood. Uh, we had, you know, uh, I, I hate to bring up the people who pass away. I feel like it, it just brings down the mood. So I'm just going to kind of breeze through this because again, I don't know these people personally anyways, but it's worth bringing up because, um, Andre Harrell, who's, you know, very important in the, the urban community, especially, uh, during like the nineties era with Uptown records being founded, he was uh, an instrumental part in, in Diddy's success. Diddy, uh, Puff Daddy intern form, very young, transitioned into the Bad Boys brand, which Andre Harrell later on signed off to him. I'm not going to go through his entire life story because the reason I'm bringing this up is, um, I guess, yesterday, because today's Sunday, or you're watching this Monday. Anyways, uh, there's a Uptown Records essentially a biopic or documentary or miniseries or whatever that they're putting out through BET and Teddy Riley and Jamie Foxx are going to be going on live to discuss it. Um, hopefully Teddy Riley fixes his internet so we don't have another repeat of all those memes, but I think that's going to be a great, uh, biopic or however you want to package that up, but it, it'll be good to see because with all these verses and stuff that that are coming out now you get to celebrate people that you normally wouldn't they wouldn't cross your mind because you're so caught up with your own hoopla and whatever that you forget how much of a legacy these guys have and how how detrimental they were to the industry in the early times and um Andre Harrell if you're not familiar with that name I feel like after watching these types of biopics, you'll have a, a fonder appreciation for, for them and their legacy. And also, uh, Bill Withers passed away. And if you are super young, you might not know the name, but songs like ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And, uh, just the two of us, we can make it if we try was sung by Bill Withers. And it was a better rendition than what I just did right there. But what I'm super excited about, may those guys rest in peace. Uh, but what I'm super excited about, the last dance, we're about to get the final dance 
episode nine and 10 coming out. And from what I heard through the whispers is that they were shooting episode or editing or finishing the tweaks, the final touches on episode 10 up until this weekend. So, um, please believe by the time you're hearing or watching this, I'm going to be fully invested in those final two episodes. Um, it's again, we're seeing a, a very vulnerable side of, of Michael Jordan and the rest of the Chicago bulls. And we're seeing how much, uh, determination he had and, and how hard he worked and how hard he pushed people during that era. Um, one of the most recent episodes talking about space jam and, you know, if you were a product of the nineties and you, I remember seeing space jam in the theaters when you get to see the behind the scenes of that and, and seeing how he would invite players from all around the league. So just the best of the best to come and play against him after he was done filming and he would start his days at six or seven in the morning. They'd be long days. And then at 7 PM, he would invite all these guys over to, um, I don't remember the Warner Brothers studios and they would play for, for hours and he would still have energy. And that's just goes to show how much of a monster this guy was. Cause he was bringing these guys to just to see in the off season, you know, who was doing what and, and who's the guy to look out for and whatever. So he was just scheming from, uh, from all angles. So I'm excited to see how they wrap this thing up. Uh, it's been a, a very interesting journey so far. And, um, I can't wait to to see that. I feel like I've rambled way too much this whole episode because I'm already at 50 minutes and I still feel like I have a gaggle of stuff to go through. So I'm just going to run through some of these things because more of it than anything is just comical shit. So um, I'm not going to give any reviews for the future in the Nav albums because I haven't listened to them. Me and hip hop right now, it's a lot, you know. I'm not in the mental state. I feel like when things start to open up a bit more and whatever, I'm going to probably migrate towards hip hop music but right now I just don't have the mental space for it. What I do have the mental space for, however, is pointless content. So Eric Andre has a movie called bad trip that is set to be released on Netflix, I believe in July, but, or maybe it's Amazon prime. Cause I think Amazon prime did a private viewing. And since then it has leaked onto the internet and please believe I've already found that link and have watched it. And it was funny. It was actually really good. Um, because the cool thing about it is that it's like one of these, you know, slapstick silly comedies, but then he merges it with a kind of punked like premise or format. Cause some of these scenes are scripted, um, just kind of move the story forward, but he does do a lot of improv improvisational, um, stuff throughout the the film where he'll be, you know, posing as somebody who works at uh, uh, an Orange Julius or Jabba Juice or Booster Juice or whatever the company was that he was working for. And there'll be real customers coming into the store looking to get helped. And then, you know, an actor comes in and he's there playing out a scene with the actor and people are like, yo, what are you doing, bro? Serve me. Um, so that's what made it a little bit more authentic is you're seeing these real reactions from real people um, throughout the movie. So that was definitely something that, uh, I enjoyed watching from all this other weirdo shit that I've been watching. Um, but yeah, so that movie's not out yet, but you know, if you want to be illegal and pirate, then you can go and access that somewhere. And uh, a couple of things I want to just kind of run through real quick here. So Tory Lanez's hairline, that shit's crazy, son. I'll be the first to tell you. 
anybody who says that, you know, Tory Lanez has a great doctor because of his, um, you know, his, his new hairline or his hair's growth. I'm just going to go out and say it. That shit looks crazy and it looks terrible. As somebody who has hair, I know it's terrible for me to speak on this, but I am not in support of whoever the doctor was who made this shit happen because he posts a picture of his braids being like, wow, I can't believe it. And he's all emotional because his braids are there. But it's like, yo, when you look at the comments, I know I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one who thinks this because Tori has said before that he's gotten the same doctor as Tyga and Tyga comments. I didn't give out the plug for this. And somebody said, and this is probably my favorite comment, them braids are social distancing. There's actually a photo of Damon Wayne's from, I think it's from my wife and kids where he's got these crazy braids or whatever. That's what this shit looks like. Like the comments are killing me over here. You can grease his scalp with a paint roller. Like, no bro. Like not everything. Like, Listen, I'm happy that for him, you know, he got his hair back or whatever, whatever you want to call that shit. Cause it just looks, it just looks bad, man. And maybe I'm being too mean or whatever. It's like, oh, it makes him happy. And da, 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 da. I'm, okay, cool. It doesn't make me happy and I'm seeing it. So I'm going to voice my opinion. And I think it looks fucking crazy. Aside from uh, his hair, here's a a funny clip that I'm going to play just because I find it fucking hilarious. By the way, if you don't send me content like this, we're not friends. So you had you ran into white folks? What's your type? You like black, white? I like white girls more better. Okay, especially the thick time. That what I'm talking. No bun. In other words, pod. Pod. That's what I like. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Ain't say that bit again. Say it one more time, but say it slow. (laughs) Hog, P-A-W-G. Badass white girls. No, don't tell me. What you like, bro? Yeah. I like fat ass white girls, the thick time. Ooh, the yeah. Types. yeah. Those are my favorite. Okay. Yo, this guy has me fucking weak. I like pogs. Fat ass white girls. And his eyes are just going everywhere. And he's got the bungy, you know, the gumby haircut. Yo, this shit, if you don't send me shit like this, we are not friends. Um, Pog. Pog. He probably hasn't even, he's never hooked up with a white girl in his life. And that's a fact. He looks fucking crazy. His eyes are all over the place. He looks guilty. But anyways, um, so that shit had me fucking weak. And uh, I think there's one last thing here. No, Tori's braid social distancing. Oh, yeah. So Snoop Dogg reacts to 6ix9ine calling him a snitch. I'm not going to play that clip. Already at that point. Yeah, 55 minutes in. Let's wrap this baby up. So last thing I want to mention is uh, people need to leave Future and all of his baby mamas alone. Um, and I'm, you know, okay. So here's the thing. So he went on mother's day and put out this huge, uh, a bunch of different tweets to like his nine baby mamas or whatever. And everyone's like, yo, this is toxic. Cause you know, he's encouraging, you know, he has all these people's phone numbers. He should have just hit them up directly. Yeah. But the thing is, if you're future, you can hit them all up directly, but people are still going to think you're a, a shitty father unless you see it on, on the public. And that's the reality. Is it right? No, but that's the reality we live in. But the thing is, is that, um, 
we shouldn't even care what like he's out here knocking people up left, right, and center. He has a bunch of babies. Let the man live. He shouldn't have to go on Twitter. He did go on Twitter. Let it like let it lie. And then this whole shit about um she belongs to the streets. If I see somebody saying that somebody belongs to the streets one more time, I am just gonna fucking rip my Tory Lane's braids out and just go fucking crazy because uh that shit is too much. Oh, and one last thing. Apparently Scarface is rebooting and they're looking at Michael B. Jordan as being the lead for it. Sometimes you just gotta leave some shit alone. Leave Scarface the fuck alone. They're saying that they wanted him to be the first uh black Superman and all this kind of shit. Leave Tony Montana alone. That movie was what 1983 they let Al Pacino get away with being a uh, an immigrant from where was where was Tony Montana from? Uh, Puerto Rico. I don't know. Regardless, listen, you can't have Michael B. Jordan be everything. Did he do a good job with Creed? Sure. But I don't want to see him as fucking Scarface. Let that shit lie. And I know there's big money in these reboots and shit like that, but Unless you're going to do what uh, Will Smith did with the Gemini Man shit, where you just, you know, take somebody's digital face from back in the day and then you rejuvenate them so they look young again or whatever. I only want to see Al Pacino in that role. Personal opinion, maybe you you think otherwise, but what's next? Michael B. Jordan starring as the Kool-Aid Man. Oh, yeah. I'm just breaking through walls and shit, and he's got blackface. Anyways, we've completely derailed, but... All that to be said, if you made it this far, then fucking you're a hero. Um, This is episode five of the Tall, Dark and Ratchet podcast. Make sure you check me out every single Monday for all of this ratchet goodness. Um, But yeah, stay blessed, stay healthy. If you are some of the lucky people who are allowed to be out, like I've said before, behave. Do not go wilding out. I've already heard some people being like, yeah, I'm at the beach. It's packed over here right now. And I'm like, all right, well, you know. However you view this this illness, at least please take it seriously for the seniors who are at risk. But um, anyways, I will see you all on the following Monday. So enjoy your May long. Stay blessed and uh, catch you on the flip side. Peace.